The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. Okay, so let's start in Dip Kloof today because we're watching Dip Kloof and we're watching Dip Sluit because in Dip Kloof, residents there are being addressed at the moment by the mayor of Joburg. Can you believe it? The mayor of Joburg, Kabila Guamanda, is actually out. He's doing mayor things today. He's busy addressing uh, the residents there around Dip Kloof Hostel because there were issues around power, city power reinstalling electricity. We're also watching what's happening in Dip Sluit because there are protests there. I've been watching on TV. Uh, we've seen bins being upended, big, those great big bins being upended and tires being burnt. So we'll try and get you an update on that as well. But let's start in Dip Kloof. Ramashwana, EWN reporter, is there for us. Alpha, good afternoon. The mayor is currently addressing residents. What is he saying to them? Good afternoon, Mandy. Well, yes, the mayor is addressing the Deep Kloof residents here today who have been living for years at these dilapidated units at the hostels here. He's told them that he has assured, uh, he has assured them basically that city power will soon start installing power lines and electricity networks here at the Deep Kloof hostels. And he did say that on Monday, the Induna of the hostels will be meeting with city power and officials in his office to ensure that these uh, installations are treated with urgency. But Mandy, what he hasn't touched on is the provision of water. Uh, he did not tell the residents when exactly they'll be provided with water. All he mentioned was electricity. So he still needs to tell them when exactly they'll be having uh, running tap waters in their units and when exactly these hostels will be refurbished to make them uh, turn them into a, a good living space for the hostel residents that are staying here. Alpha, what kind of reception has Cabello Guamande received there in Diplof? Mandy, it really seems like the residents had been waiting for a political leader to visit them for some time because as soon as the mayor came here, all the residents came out and followed him to the community hall and they sat down and listened to him speak. And immediately after he finished speaking, Mandy, they sang songs of liberation to show that there is a bit of hope, there is a bit of faith that actually things will change for them. So it seems as if the residents have been waiting for the mayor to come here for a long time. And as soon as he came here, they showed appreciation that he's actually here to listen to their concerns. I do remember yesterday speaking to some of the residents, they mentioned that they are tired of having to protest and having to burn tires and demonstrate before the government actually listens to them. So the residents do seem happy that they've actually got or managed to attract the attention of the government this time around. Alfred, significant that the mayor, Cabello Guamanda, is out in Dipclerf today. There have been lots of concerns around how capable he is uh, about the fact that he hasn't been attending to his mayoral responsibilities. Um, has he spoken to the media at all about how he's doing in the job of, of mayor and the motion of no confidence that is being uh, moved against him as well? Well, he hasn't spoken to the general media, but I have had this conversation with him uh, about two weeks ago, and he did say that. Looks like we've lost Alpha there, unfortunately. Uh, just losing the line there. Alpha is in a dip kloof for us. Distinction there between dip kloof and dip stuart. So the mayor at the moment is in dip kloof, where he's been meeting with uh, residents of the dip 
Diplof Hostel. There are concerns there about electricity. There are also concerns about water, uh, as uh, Alpha was telling us. We are also trying to speak to the police in Dipslurt because I have been watching and following on social media as well the fact that we are seeing residents of Dipslurt coming out in, in numbers to protest today, to, to riot. Uh, they have been upending dustbins. They have been burning tires as well. Yesterday, uh, the, the residents of Dipslurt uh, attended a funeral of the Community Policing Forum Chairperson Makoti John Makola. The Police Minister Becky Kele was there. The Gauteng MEC Faith Mazibuko was there as well. And the residents said they would take to the streets last night until President Soro Ramaphosa came to visit him, visit them and actually speak to them. So uh, that's why I think we are seeing those protests taking place again today. On 702 and Cape Talk, this is the Midday Report with Mandy Wiener. Brought to you by Nedbank Commercial Banking. Specialists who enable your business growth aspirations. KwaZulu-Natal now, a tornado, yes, a tornado, sweeping through Inanda yesterday, other areas as well. Many residents uh, were displaced. There was flooding that damaged homes as well. Uh, many, um, many uh, homes, if you have a look at, at the videos coming out of Inanda uh, being affected there. Um, so uh, let's get a sense of what's happening today with Nklantla Mabaso, EWN report who's out and about. Officials are also out and about having a look at those mop-up operations. Nkantla, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time. Firstly, give us a sense of uh, what the damage was like when this tornado came through in Nanda and which other areas were affected as well. Well, good afternoon, Mandy. Well, it left people, uh, uh, people's houses and homes rather uh, roofless, Mandy. In fact, when you drive into the area, you can tell that people here have experienced difficulties. But one of the saddest things, Mandy, is that this is actually not the first time because some of them were affected by floods years ago. Some were affected by floods even in 2022 when those big floods hit KZN. But people's homes, like I said, have no roofs and electricity poles and electricity cables are scattered all over the place, Mandy. This morning we saw the other committee, the Parliament's other committee, looking into the flood recovery, uh, visiting the province. Well, they were actually set to start their program today until Friday, but with what happened yesterday in Inanda, Amawut, and other areas in the north of Devon, they have then had to visit those areas. Tell you what, many people are left destitute. Their people's beds have had to be thrown. That's how wet they are. Some of them are saying, now nah, this is the second time. All the third time, their furniture is being destroyed. But really, concerns that have been coming out of the area, man, there's people raising concerns about the fact that for years now, government officials would come and look at the situation, especially those living in informal settlement. They say that government officials would come, take their names, contact details, ID numbers, and all details that you may need. And the fact that no one has returned to make good on the promises that have been previously made by government officials. So if you go there and you are met with destitute people really raising concerns, but it seems they are very desperate for help. I can tell you that around 36 people slept at the Amawoti community hall, um, you know, uh, because their, their homes are destroyed like a mentioned. So disaster management teams uh, are out uh, trying to assist people. You mentioned 36 people uh, were displaced. Do we have a, have a sense across the province of how many people were displaced and if there was any loss of life from this weather yesterday? 
Yes, indeed, Mandy. The KZN Emergency Services, in fact, has just confirmed that one person uh, died in Mayville last night due to heavy rains. But emergency services say that um, six others were admitted to hospital. I mean, were treated on, on the scene in Mayville, but in Inanda, it was two only. Uh, it was two people that were actually in a container that overturned at night. You're hearing that one of them may have succumbed to injuries. That now, now, uh, like you mentioned, that emergency services and disaster management teams are on scene working on this. Yes, indeed, uh, looking at what people need and what people lost. But really, Mandy, for a lot of people here who say they've lost groceries, they've lost um, you know, important documents such as IDs, but certificates, some educational uh, certificates, they raise concerns that with what they see now, with government coming to um, look at the issue, they are really not actually pleased. In fact, even with the government visit, because there are people who walked from Dube village, which is just uh, five minutes away from Inanda, where, where government officials were, to speak to journalists to say every time there's disasters in this particular area. It seems as though government officials would rather drive pass by and go to Inanda and then Amawoti. There have been raising concerns about the fact that government officials are not visiting uh, Dube village. In fact, we weren't as journalists to look at Dube village. So it, it, it's a very devastating many People have lost completely everything. Some have had to throw the only furniture that they, they had. But you can tell that some of these homes, mainly really some uh, the people or, or the heads of households, mostly women, are trying really to work uh, in order to be able to keep uh, body and soul together. You could tell that poverty is a thing in these families, but with these disasters, it has now brought a lot of difficulties for them. And Klankla, thank you very much. And Klankla Mabaso, EWN reporter, he's out uh, in KZN, in Inanda specifically uh, for us uh, today. And, and just listening there to, to exactly what has been happening in those areas, in Dube Village, if you have a look at the images coming out there as well, extremely concerning. And if we keep having this kind of extreme weather conditions, then surely they need to, to preempt that in terms of the structures that are built and where they are built. We saw the impact of the flooding on various communities following the, the floods last year. When you see extreme conditions like this, government just needs to do more to ensure that they are prepared and don't react. They need to preempt these things. Cape Talk, the midday report, Monday to Friday, 12 to 1 p.m. Well, let's have a look at that weather situation uh, and try and understand what happened yesterday in KZM, but also what kind of weather we can expect over the next few days because the Western Cape has also been dealing with flooding and more bad weather expected in the Western Cape. Lechloho Nolo Tobela is an SA Weather Service forecaster joining us now. Lechloho Nolo, good afternoon to you. Thanks for, for your time. Let's start with the situation in, in KZN. How unusual is it to see what we saw in KZN yesterday and, and can this be categorized? as a tornado. Yeah, good afternoon and thanks for having me. Yes, I think we can start there. The system that we had was a cut off low system that was in the southwestern parts as it was moving further east. Um, we are yet to experience with the perturbations that it brought about um, thunderstorms around the area, especially in the southern parts, which would then include the areas around Inanda and moving over to areas around Phoenix. 
And yes, it was a tornado as the system started and produced a funnel cloud. And as it was seen from videos that people saw, we had a dark cloud that started as a funnel cloud. And as soon as it moved over to the ground and started causing damage and bringing out about uh, strong winds, it is when it was categorized as a tornado. Okay, so are we expecting uh, more bad weather in KZN following what happened yesterday as we're seeing many people trying to to recover their their homes? Uh, What kind of weather are we expecting there over the next few days? I mean, in suggestion of how the system happened and whether the situation, whether weather conditions yesterday, it was really, I mean, we're still in winter. The timing of it was not as common as it would be as we, we know. In winter, we experience cold weather. Most of the showers and rain are expected over the southwestern parts. And most of the rain that is to happen is still yet to expect expected over the western parts of the country uh, more than it would be in the eastern parts. Most of the rain that is expected in the eastern parts, which would cover KZN, should come late um, summer into spring, then spreading over to summer. Or rather, let me say late winter into spring and then coming into summer, that's when we experience more of the rainfall. And the seasonal forecast also suggests that most of the rain that is yet to come, especially um, over the central parts and the eastern parts, it would be happening over late winter into spring, moving over to summer. But most of the rainfall that is to be abnormal is expected in the southwestern parts of the country, which would cover the Western Cape, mm. uh, especially areas around the Northern Cape province. In terms of severe warning today, we still have um, that warning for damaging waves that's expected between uh, Plattenberg Bay and Port, Ed- Port Edward along the coastal areas. And over the KZN province, we're still expecting disruptive rain that is expected to lead to difficulty in driving conditions due to some flooding in areas, especially expected along the south coast of KwaZulu-Natal. As well as another warning, expected for severe thunderstorms. That is mainly over the central parts, and that would cover the northwest province as well as the central and the southern parts of Free State and the eastern parts of the Eastern Cape province. That's where we expect some severe thunderstorms today. And most of the showers and rain tomorrow still expected over the central and the southern parts of the country. But not only that, we're still also expecting some snow in the high-lying grounds of Lesotho, spreading over to the Eastern Cape province, especially on areas over uh, the central and the northeastern parts of sure. Uh, the Eastern Cape province is expecting some snow spreading over to the Drakensberg Mountain, moving over to Lesotho. And a scattered chance of showers and rain still expected over the southwestern parts of the Western Cape province as the cold front is seen to be approaching the southwestern parts of the country. However, if you're in Gauteng, you're still expecting some fine conditions, except for today, where we're expecting an isolated chance of showers and rain due to the system as it's about to make exit over the country. Thank you so much for that comprehensive wrap there of uh, what we can expect, what's going on. Snow in Lesotho and the Drakensberg. I know a lot of people uh, are on holiday at the moment. If you are in KZN, uh, you may have had to deal with a tornado yesterday. You may get to see some snow. Uh, many of the beaches in Umklanga uh, were closed for a bit as well. So uh, never a dull moment when you're in KZN. The Midday Report. And also in much excitement, exciting news, load shedding is back with us. We didn't have load shedding for, for a little while, uh, but we're back in stage two from seven o'clock this morning until four o'clock this afternoon. After that, stage three will be implemented from four o'clock until midnight. Um, the fact that we haven't had uh, full-blown load shedding for the past few weeks, I think has made a lot of people very nervous because... 
how did it happen? Does it mean we're not doing maintenance at the moment? Is it because we have an election looming? Uh, what does all of this mean? The fact that we've had this reprieve, uh, even though our grid remains so volatile. Hilton Trollope, energy expert, joining us now. Hilton, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. We didn't have a proper full-blown load shedding for, for a few weeks. Uh, is this worrying? Should we be grateful or should we be concerned that maybe maintenance isn't taking place? Good afternoon, Mandy, and everybody else. Uh, I laughed when I heard that, that when there's no load shedding, people get nervous. Um, Mandy, firstly, there's nothing sinister behind this, um, and it's it's really what we expect. Um, there's been no big changes. That's the other thing from a, a factual point of view. Some politicians always climb on the bandwagon and claim things, but nothing substantial has changed. So let me just break it down. It'll take me three or four minutes. Please, go, go ahead. Okay. I'd love you to explain it and, and, and put okay. us all at ease. Okay, so, well, if we were in the same kind of boat, although, I mean, there have been nice noises coming out of government as far as the electricity minister goes. But um, just firstly, this huge big system, this electricity system, all these big power stations, they can't be changed quickly. That's just a matter of fact. Um, you know, they, they, they're huge, and uh, the, the problems that they've got are quite deep. If you look at the statistics, you get load shedding when we don't have enough supply to meet demand. So two things change, supply and demand. Let's just start with demand because we don't talk a lot about that. That's the, you know, we usually talk about the power station. So uh, demand um, is affected by economic activity, uh, by uh, decisions uh, by people to use electricity, and a lot by prices. We had a, a huge tariff increase, 20%. Economics 101, when the price goes up, the demand goes down. So the aggregate of all the people buying electricity, they're paying 20% more, they're using less. And this is reflected in the statistics on the Eskom data portal. For the past few days, uh, we've had uh, demand down from what it had gone up to, and also significantly down on what it was last July. So we need less electricity. Well, we're demanding less electricity. Uh, also, at this time of the year, uh, it's interesting, people don't know this, but you know that Unless you're a residential customer, if you're a big commercial or industrial customer, when you buy your electricity, uh, you pay very different prices. So the most expensive electricity is in winter over the peaks. The cheapest electricity mm. is in summer uh, in the middle of the day or the middle of the night. So currently, industrial customers are paying much higher tariffs okay. than they do in January over the peak. So many of them cut production, which has cut demand even more which is because i was about to ask you doesn't demand go up in winter if everyone's using peters and things are cold doesn't demand go up yes so residential demand historically typically goes up so they're all types of demand commercial residential mid-income poor people etc and definitely residential has gone up um, when everybody puts their heaters on also when they use uh, it costs uh, the biggest single residential use of Electricity, and this is because to help people cut demand is their hot water usage. But it takes a lot more energy to heat cold water to what you've got your geyser setting than water in summer. So one of the biggest things we as people can do to help 
decreased demand is use less hot water. Anyway, that's a little push for energy efficiency. Okay. <laughs> okay. So demand we we are a bit down. strapped for time. You've got about 30 yeah. seconds okay. left. So very quickly on the supply side, no big changes. We're looking at the moment at the same level of unplanned outages. That's the unpredictable thing that is the main cause of load shedding. We're looking at the same level as we were looking at in March and in April. May, it was really high. We had a bad month, but we're back to about March, April level. And uh, we're also looking at the same trend as last year and the year before. No big changes. Hilton, thank you so much for breaking that all down for us. Hilton Trollope, energy experts, explaining why we didn't have load shedding for a few weeks. We are now back in load shedding. We're in stage two at the moment from seven this morning until four this afternoon. Then we go to stage three load shedding from four o'clock until midnight. We don't know what the schedule is yet for tomorrow, but that's the explanation. Do you buy it? Are you skeptical? Do you get worried when there's no load shedding? Do you get more worried when there's no load shedding than when there is load shedding? Let me know what you think about that. The Midday Report. Uh, on the issue of the electricity crisis, it was actually one of the topics addressed today by Vincent Maguena, the president's spokesperson. He does this weekly briefing. So he spoke about the electricity crisis. He spoke about the allegations out of News 24 about the deputy president, Paul Mashatile. And he also spoke about uh, Vladimir Putin uh, and the situation in Russia and that potential visit. So I want to play you some audio of that, and then we'll chat to Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, who was listening in. So firstly, have a listen to what Vincent Maguena, the president's spokesperson, is had to say about those allegations against Paul Mashatile. With respect to allegations, uh, I think what, what you're referring to as allegations, you're referring to news reports. So there are no allegations um, through the sort of formal uh, criminal justice uh, process. So you are referring to news reports uh, that have been published by News24 with respect to the, the deputy president. Um, look, as a country, we don't, um, as yet, have um, laws that um, prosecute individuals on the basis of being found guilty by association. We, we don't have those laws. Um, the DP is not facing any criminal charges, nor has it been cited in any criminal investigation. With respect to the DP's association, that is a a personal matter that um, the DP may decide to reflect on. So there's been no discussion between the DP and the president on the News 24 um, articles. And and I think it's important that we are cautious with the terminology that Okay, so that's the uh, the response to the, alleg- not allegations, as he says, the news reports about Paul Mashatile. And then Vincent Maguena also speaking about uh, what what the decision has been around Vladimir Putin's potential visit to South Africa, the BRICS summit, and what we're going to do about that. Have a listen. We are now beyond options. Um, the president has had an engagement with President Putin. The president, as I've said before, um, in response to um, Paul's question, is now concluding a final round of consultations with his BRICS counterpart. Thereafter, he will direct us as to when we can advise you 
on the date and time he will make an announcement with respect to our hosting of BRICS. So we can, we can just move on from the discussion of options. We are beyond options. Uh, all that remains now is for the President to finalize his consultations with his BRICS counterpart, and thereafter um, he will make an announcement and will advise you guys um, in time for that announcement. Between a rock and a hard place, uh, out of options, Lindsay Denklinger, EWN reporter. As you heard from that audio there, Vincent Maguenia saying, well, they're not saying anything. So not much left for you to, for you to say. But take us through what else uh, Vincent Maguenia had to say today. Well, interestingly, good afternoon, Mandy. He um, was kind of started off with this uh, what he called a narrative that said it was untrue. He called it myths and lies that the president has checked out of running the country and has no longer have any interest in dealing with the country's myriad problems. And Vincent Maguenia said that this was cheap politicking by those who are criticizing the president. And he went on to list a very long list of things that the president has been doing um, in recent months uh, regarding investment, um, jobs for the youth, um, dealing with the electricity crisis uh, and the like, Mandy. All he says aimed at uh, improving the country's very sluggish economy. Um, But, of course, there were many questions, Mandy, as that clip that you've played about what's going to happen with the BRICS summit. And it was a bit unclear, seeing as we never made it to Russia, whether or not the president actually did speak to Putin uh, about what it would mean if he were to arrive in South Africa. And as you've heard there from Vincent Magrenia, um, we'll have to wait and see uh, the president finalizing uh, his talks with other BRICS leaders. Uh, and then we will know whether or not Vladimir Putin is going to um, take the gap and take the chances and come to South Africa. But Vincent Maguena also saying, Mandy, that the insurrection we witnessed, uh, albeit very brief over the weekend, uh, has no impact mm. on South Africa preparing for the summit. Uh, Lindsay, I find it so interesting that Vincent Maguena felt it necessary to assure the country that the president is actually being the president. Um, and he, he spoke about this narrative, uh, that the president is, is, is absent, uh, insisting he's not AWOL, that he is actually doing the things that the president needs to be doing. How did that even come about? Um, as I said, you know, he, he goes through this list of things uh, um, that the president has been doing. But uh, I think a lot of it has been, uh, for, for example, from the, the media's perspective, we have not spoken, had a one-on-one direct engagement with the president in over a year, Mandy. We last spoke to him at, parla, parla, uh, at Parliament uh, after that Pala Pala scandal broke. Um, but there's been no real means to engage one-on-one with the president. And some opposition parties just feel he's too absent and not saying enough. Uh, about what he's doing uh, and taking the uh, the nation into its confidence as to what exactly he's up to. Um, uh, but this was this laundry list, really, that Vincent Maguenia, um uh, produced us with today uh, to try to show what the president's been doing and saying it's not just about the president uh, visiting and meeting with uh, all kinds of world leaders. Mm. Uh, he's actively involved in uh, trying to stimulate the economy and improve the electricity crisis. Lindsay, as always, thank you so much. Lindsay Dentlinger, EWN reporter, speaking to us there, uh, giving us a, an update on Vincent Maguenia, that press conference today, uh, and still no real clarity. He says that there's going to be an announcement on what they're going to do. They are out of options around Vladimir Putin. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener on 702 at Cape Talk. Brought to you by NetBank Commercial Banking. See money differently. 
Let's go to the courts. Uh, three more suspects in the Tabo Besta escape saga appearing in court today. All three G4S employees, uh, they were recently arrested. Uh, all of this relating to that escape by Tabo Besta in which he faked his own suicide and escaped from his cell in Bloemfontein. So more arrests being made there. Khamoto Modise, EWN reporter, following that story for us. Khamoto, uh, what do we know about this court appearance, who these people are, what charges they're facing? Hi, Mandy. Yeah, so what we know so far is that it's three people that um, were G4S employees, um, or actually still are G4S employees. They made a very brief appearance in the Bloemfontein Magistrates Court on charges of um, assisting a prisoner, a prisoner escape, tampering with the corpse, and corruption. Actually, only one um, one of the, the accused is facing just the assisting an escape. The other two are facing tampering and um, corruption charges, which means that his charge is a Schedule 1, the first guy, um, um, and the other two are facing Schedule 5 offences. Um, all three of the men uh, made a very brief appearance before we heard from the state um, saying they would like the matter to be postponed to Monday. And yeah, so at this stage, it's unclear whether they will be applying for bail. It's been postponed for bail information. But I think what's rather important is that these guys bring to 12 uh, the total number of accused in this matter. So I assume they'll add, add these three chaps to the other accused and try them all together. Yes, so they are being referred to now as accused number 10, 11, and 12. Okay. So they have already been added. And um, I mean, I think at the after the bail matter has been heard and it's all been finalized, then for trial, of course, they will all have to appear in the dock together with all the other, what, nine accused, including Tabo Pesta and Twelve minus three is nine. nine. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, thank you so much. Come on, Madisa, having a look there. As I always say, that I think it's important in this table best story to remember that it doesn't just take one person to fake your own suicide and escape from prison. It takes a lot of people to be complicit, to be involved, who are paid off, who are involved in making sure the CCTV TV cameras uh, are switched off and facing the wrong way, and the gates are left open. So that's what we're seeing uh, with three more people being arrested uh, in another court matter that we are watching as well. Eight men, including one of Israel's most wanted fugitives, appearing in the Randberg Magistrates Court today. They were arrested during their police raid at a luxurious property in Bryanston in November last year. So that court appearance is happening as well. Cape Talk. Mandy Wiener. Weekdays, 12 to 1 p.m. You may have seen uh, the story about a, a video that has very much gone viral of a Joburg Metro police officer being shot, allegedly, by a member of the South African Police Service. So that's right, a policeman shooting a Metro police officer in Bramfontein at the weekend. Both men were off duty at the time involved in this altercation. That video has been shared widely. Well, the Independent Investigative Police Directorate, IPID, is now investigating a murder case. Robbie Raburabu is the iPad spokesperson joining us now. Robbie, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time today. Uh, what exactly is, is iPad looking at here and what is happening with the investigation? Uh, good afternoon, Mandy. Uh, the investigation is ongoing at the moment. Um, investigators are busy obtaining statements and they are also meeting with the ballistic reporters and they are meeting with prosecutors um, in the um, quest to get to the bottom of what happened um, on that uh, Monday morning. Do we have any idea at this stage what the dispute was over? 
we we not we're not sure as yet as to what was happening because um, the, the there are a lot of questions and we the investigators are busy trying to find out what. What, what 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 the real vision was because there are a lot of visions because there were a lot of people remember this is a pub so people were just saying their own things and now there are rumors that are coming out that are different visions that are coming out of what really transpired on that particular day okay robbie thank you very much uh, robbie raburabu is the ipad spokesperson speaking to us there about this investigation early stages there no arrests have been made yet but if you have seen that video it's extremely concerning but ipad is investigating the midday report today is world pride day we know that it's pride month but today is actually on the 28th of june pride day so tiddy madea on politicking her podcast has uh interviewed dr bev ditzi on politicking she founded the first pride on the continent was the first lesbian woman to speak at the un and in the podcast they speak about the rights of the lgbtqia plus community here at home and on the continent the politics of the country what can be done to help improve the daily lived experiences of the community have a listen dr bev you know i i I got into an argument with some of my friends from the community because not too long ago uganda obviously clamored down on on gay people in that country but what we saw here julius malema black african male drape the queer flag around him Mm -hmm. to make a statement Mm -hmm. and my friend said mainstream media failed to rise to the occasion you failed to recognize the importance of that particular moment Not too long after that moment, then the EFF invites Patrice Lumumba, mm-hmm. and we know where he stands as far mm-hmm. as queer rights are concerned, mm-hmm. to come and do a speech. Mm-hmm. When he's challenged, he says, oh, it makes debates exciting. Mm-hmm. What does that communicate to someone like you, who spent a lifetime, I mean, your very essence to us is about advocacy, is about fighting mm-hmm. for queer rights. Mm-hmm. When you see it being used like that, does it feel like it's being trivialized for political point scoring? What do you, how do you make sense of what you see? Well, it's a, it's a ticket. I think right now we started realizing, we, we realize there's a young, stupid male podcasters who were, and they were not first, but they successfully used um, our community as a ticket. Nobody knew who the hell they were until they did that. And I will not mention their names because we're not advertising them. And when they did that, and all of a sudden, it's like, oh, my God, there's so much more engagement. And what you started seeing was a lot more, even people I thought were allies, jumping on the bandwagon, promoting their own work, using the LGBTI community as a... So that's Dr. Bev Ditsi. Uh, she's speaking to Tilly Madea on Politricking. You can go listen to the whole podcast on ewn.co.za. The Midday Report with Mandy Wiener is brought to you by Nedbank Commercial Banking on 702 and Cape Talk. Nedbank is a licensed FSP and registered credit provider. Meta has announced new features to support teenagers and families to make it easier to manage time that they're spending on on various social media apps. So that's Instagram, Facebook, Messenger as well. They've launched a take a break, parental supervision tools on Instagram, quiet mode as well. All of this is crucial if you've got teenagers that are on Facebook or are on Instagram as well. Let's speak to Itumaleng Murule, who's the Corporate Communications Manager at Meta Southern Africa, joining us now. Itumaleng, Good afternoon to you. Tell us about these new parental supervision tools that have been introduced. 
Good afternoon to you and your listeners, Mandy. Thank you so much for having me on your show and for that brilliant question. So yes, at Meta, we want people, especially young people, to foster their online relationships in an environment where they feel safe. It's very important to us that they leave our platforms feeling good about the time that they've spent on them. You know, so we work closely with experts in the mental health space, child psychology, digital literacy, and more to build these features and tools so people and young people can connect online and safely. You are 100% right. We've recently launched some incredible tools um, to support exactly that for parents and teenagers to have ongoing and honest conversations Mm. about staying safe online. So some of the tools that you mentioned is the quiet mode. Um, I'm also pleased to share that we have launched a family center in South Africa. We have a global one. And now we have the first one in South Africa, the first across Africa, where we have an education hub and other tools and resources that can empower teens as well as parents to have these discussions. So you spoke about quiet mode. It's designed to help teens focus so they can set healthy boundaries with friends. There's also nudges to help teens manage the, the time that they're spending on Facebook and Instagram? Yes. So how that works is that if a teenager, and of course they have to be 13 and older, is on Instagram and they've been on Instagram for some time, they will get some prompts as they are on the app to take a break and take a step away from their app and actually spend time doing things that they love in addition to what they have seen on their social channels. So we're very excited about that feature and quiet mode, as you mentioned earlier. Um, that's, that's something we had rolled out in January and now it's rolled out to a number of countries globally as well. Uh, I was just talking to the team off air about um, uh, uh, like some of the bizarre direct messages that I get on, on social media. And um, it was very timely because there are also these new restrictions to protect people from getting unwanted DM requests as well. Yes, exactly there is. We also have the hidden words feature, so you can set that up on your Instagram account where you can hide certain words from appearing in your feed and from comments. So that is a, that's a feature that I'll call out. And additionally, um, DMs. So if there's DMs that you want from unwanted um, people or followers that don't really follow you, you can set that up in your settings on Instagram. Itumuleng, thank you so much. Itumuleng Morule, Corporate Communications Manager at Meta South Africa, speaking to us there about uh, these new features in place. So if you've got a teenager, uh, very important, parental supervision, quiet mode as well. The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.